It's never been easier to get on the water with Academy Sports and Outdoors. Stop by your local Academy store or online at academy.com today and shop great gear from fishing's top brands like Luz, Zebco, Abu Garcia, Shimano, and more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. This episode is titled Kayak Fishing for Big Reds off Oak Island, and I'm going to be talking to Captain Jerry Dillsaver. Um, just about everyone's familiar with Captain Jerry Dillsaver out of that Oak Island area. We're going to be covering such areas as preparing, launching, catching bait, locating fish, fishing, and then releasing fish. I'm Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post. Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater fishing community of North Carolina since 2003. We've been bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools, and now in this latest and greatest chapter of the Saltwater Podcast series, where we reach out to our captain and guide friends from up and down the North Carolina coast and ask them to share with us their thoughts, their insights on how to catch more fish more often Although I believe the higher goal isn't just more fish more often, but to get you guys confidence and energy to grab your friends and family and spend more time together on the water more often. And in this mission and in this endeavor, I'm joined just as I am every week with Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative. Hey, Billy, ready to talk. What's up, Gary? Good to see you, man. Excited about this topic. I'm a fan of kayak fishing, so uh, good, good job. I'm get some more kayak fishermen in here to talk about the sport. It's really fun, really great. I don't know if it's as good as owning a boat, but it's, you know, second best, I guess, you know? <laughs> and uh, it's good. It's good. I mean, I know you would never be caught dead in a kayak, but it's good that you're talking to people I don't know it. what you're talking about. I, I went kayak fishing today, <laughs> as a matter of fact, and I loved it. And I don't understand where that where you're coming from. And now I have my good longtime <laughs> friend, Jerry Dillsaver, on the side. I mean, he is fishing royalty basically like everyone knows jerry Everybody. and i got this got him on and we're going to talk kayak fishing and i don't i don't understand wh where you're coming from yeah well you know what if somebody believes you that's good for them because i don't uh but if you want a boat if you're looking to upgrade that kayak to a boat or add a boat to your fleet right that's what we're talking about fleets uh then you can go to marine warehouse center and they will get you they'll get you set up whatever kind of boat you want, whatever kind of fishing you want to do. Uh, Marine warehouse center. Those guys crush it. I got a quick word from them and I'll be right back. Marine warehouse. We have everything. We have new boats. We have parts. We have accessories, new trailers. We have a complete service department with highly trained technicians. Anything you need to get out on the water. We have at Marine warehouse center as we've grown over the last few years, now have a large section of Marine supplies from start to finish for all your boating needs. What I love about this region is to be able to get out on the water and also we love to be able to get you out on the water. The best part of working at Marine Warehouse is being able to get involved with the customers and share a love for the water. All right. And they do share a love for the water. A lot of fishy people over there. They do, man. They're connected. They're connected in the community, certainly connected with the Fisherman's Post community, whether it's tournaments or, you know, or podcasts, uh, you know, the newspaper and love the, the relationship with Marine Warehouse. I mean, they are taking effort to be part of the fishing community as evident right here with the podcast. 
Yeah, absolutely. So you, if you're listening or watching, should go take effort to support them as they support Gary and I and really the show, man. And they've always done that with everything. Like you said, tournaments and and, uh, newspaper and all kinds of stuff. And not only supporting it from a sponsorship level, but also participating, you know, going and winning those tournaments. Uh, So, you know, go over there, check them out, buy a boat, get your boat service, all those fun things. And maybe Terrell will tell you a joke. Did he have one for you this week, Gary? He did. And it certainly makes more sense for them to sponsor a fishing podcast than to sponsor a comedy podcast. It certainly makes more (laughs) sense. And I've got proof right here with Terrell's latest. Like he was so excited to tell me this joke. Couldn't wait to tell me. And then after he did, I, I had trouble even pretending to be amused, (laughs) but, but you're, you're kinder to Terrell. So maybe you'll like it. I love Terrell. Terrell's joke. Terrell's joke. Not mine. What swims in the sea carries a gun and makes you an offer you can't refuse. Uh, a used car salesman with a spear fishing gun? No, I don't nope. know. <laughs> a spear fishing used car salesman. I'm the grasping for Godfather. <laughs> yep, the Godfather. Love it. That's way that's so great. The Godfather. I love you, Gary. That's great. I mean Terrell. Terrell, that's fantastic, yeah, man. Terrell. Kudos to Terrell. Every golf clap. Love it. Maybe they should sponsor a comedy podcast. They should, absolutely, because he's crushing it. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't have a good segue, but I will get right into R.A. Hitch, uh, which is another sponsor of the show, R.A. Hitch. Hitch's trailers, bike racks, and much more. Go find Chris and his team there at R.A. Hitch, and they will they'll get you geared out if you need a uh, – Anything for your truck or, you know, whatever adventure you're going on, I'm pretty sure that they have a solution for it. And they have a really nice website, which Gary drools over daily. Uh, So go in there, check out what you need, and get in touch with Chris and his team. Or just call Chris and say, hey, man, I know you fish on the coast every weekend. Can I go with you to see what happens? You never – the answer is always no. Thanks for reminding me. (laughs) I am. I'm headed to Moorhead. I'm going to reach out to him. But uh, yeah, man, I like I like a company that yeah. presents professionally online. It gives me confidence that I go to that store, or I work with them after the sale, that they'll be just as professional. So check out their website. I think you'll be impressed as well. Absolutely. And uh, but right now, let's do a fish photo. Here we go. We got a fish photo. We got Nathan uh, Glasgow, age ten, with a forty-seven inch redfish caught on live bait while fishing at the Southport area. Age ten with a forty-seven redfish. That sounds like one of your kids, Gary. <laughs> man, good job. Good job, Nathan. That's a great catch, man. Thanks for submitting that photo. Thanks for submitting it. It's awesome. Um, like yeah, fish. man. Proud of them there. And then uh, what? before I switch over to Captain Jerry, I'm going to ask you to give one more plug. Plug about sponsoring the show. Plug about sponsoring us. Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to be a sponsor of the show, so if you have a business that caters to the saltwater fishing world, or to the North Carolina angler that's fishing North Carolina, feel free to reach out to me. My name is Billy, and my email is billy at fishmanspost.com, and I will get you all the information you need to become a sponsor. And then if you want to support Gary so he doesn't look so sleepy and can buy some coffee, go to fish, or buymeacoffee.com slash fishmanspost. I mean, you can tell, like, Gary's just, he's looking tired, man. Get this guy some co- I'll even donate a portion of my coffee to Gary just to get I'll take some coffee right now. That is no lie. That's real talk, man. I can't deny it. I I'll take some coffee right now. 
<laughs> but man, it's really going to be easy to talk with Jerry Dillsaver again, longtime friend. And so, Billy, as is tradition, I'm coming back to you for Billy's best takeaway. Billy's best takeaway after my conversation with Jerry. I'm ready, Gary. Have fun, man. See you on the other side. Well, now I'm going to introduce everyone. You probably already know him. This is Captain Jerry Dillsaver. Welcome to the Saltwater Podcast Series, Captain Jerry. Well, thank you, Gary. It's, it's wonderful to be here. We we talked about it, and now it's happening. Look at this, man. We are movers and shakers. We are young bucks in this industry, despite what people think. And we're going to talk about kayak fishing for big reds off Oak Island. But as tradition goes on this podcast, you got two questions to get through before we get to the main event. You just let me know when you're ready for your two questions, sir. Well, Alex, I'll take question one. All right. Question number one. Why should we listen to anything you have to say about kayak fishing? Uh, because you have nothing else to do for the next 30 minutes or so. <laughs> no, actually, you know, it's, it's amazing. I was thinking about it before the show. Uh, I've been doing this about 15 years and I've been fortunate to, to be able to go some places and do some things. I was introduced to it after a fishing trip on a boat uh, when the other guest on the boat said, hey, Jerry, I think you would like kayak fishing. And I said, wow, that sounds like fun. He said, well, I'll call you sometime. Well, I hear that all the time, things like that. I went, hey, here's my number, gave him a card, uh, wondered if I'd ever hear again. About two weeks later, I got a call, said, hey, I borrowed a kayak. Can you go so-and-so? So we set up a date to go, and we went over behind Ballhead. We took a boat and went into a creek and then got out in the kayaks. And my first fish on a barred kayak was a 26-and-a-half-inch red drum. It drug me down the creek, bounced me off a couple of oyster rocks. I was laughing so hard by the time I got the fish under control that it was, it was just – it was hilarious, uh, but I was hooked. I owned my own kayak within a week. Um, I, I continued as, as people do. You, you start with one to see if you're going to like it, and you keep upgrading. And I got fortunate about 10 years ago um, that the folks at Hobie said, hey, we like what you're doing. Uh, would you be interested in fishing our kayaks exclusively? Uh, was a hard offer to turn down. I've continued fishing them, and I, I have to say, I like the pedal-powered kayak. Uh, my range has quadrupled from what I could do with a paddle. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just you can do things with your hands. You can cast. When, when I was paddling, I never could cast till I put the paddle down. Uh, but I have fished from the backwaters. I fish freshwater. I've even caught catfish out of these things. But living down here at Oak Island, where we've got this south-facing beach, there's not a whole lot of surf. We can get out most days. So especially for our topic tonight, I've been fortunate to be able to fish in the ocean, in my kayak, a lot. And the thing that I like the best is these big red drums. And there's some experience. Hopefully somebody else will learn from it. Well, I usually 
prefer a more detailed response to that question, but I'm going to go ahead and accept that short answer <laughs> so that I can move on to question number two. Captain Jerry, you share a first name with a famous musician. And more than a first name, you, you share something of a resemblance with a famous musician. I'm talking about Jerry Garcia. I know, he plays guitar a little better than me. Or did play guitar so, a little better than me. And I'm going to give you a softball question because I'm thinking to myself, there's no way this dude I'm talking to right now isn't a Grateful Dead fan. There's, there's literally no way. So all I need you to do, Jerry, is give me one other person in the Grateful Dead band other than Jerry Garcia. Oh, dang. <laughs> uh, Gary, you have caught me off guard. Uh, I am. You've got me speechless. Well, you're going to have to shave that beard because you can't represent like that. Bob Weir, Phil right. Lesh. There's a there's a bunch of them. I didn't know them. I had to look them up. I'm a Grateful Dead fan, but I didn't know the other names. Uh, well, I guess it was Lesh that I was trying to come up with and couldn't. But anyway, I didn't. So, you know, Gary won, Jerry none. Well, let's hope you do much better talking about Big Reds and kayak fishing. And let's go right in. I think the talking points had us... Preparing to get out. So let's set the stage. Jerry, help us prepare to, to launch from the beach to go searching for big reds. Okay. Well, the first thing you've got to do is get over to the beach. And uh, the best way to do that is a couple of teenage sons to carry your kayak and all your gear for you. Um, but if you, if you don't uh, have that, there are some roller setups. Uh, and a North Carolina company, Boondocks, makes one that they call landing gear. The wheels fold down to get you to the water and fold up once you get in. So you get down to the water and you start setting your boat up. Now you want a fish finder. And I have folks all the time say, oh yeah, you put a fish finder on a kayak. Well, yeah, actually I put a fish finder and a GPS on my kayak. And it took a few years, but I have come over to where I even like the side imaging uh, fish finders and the reason there is to help you find those schools of bait because that's where the big reds are going to be and if i can look 50 feet to each side i can cover a whole lot more water than just looking down under me now how do you power them i'm going to show you something this is a little battery here it's from the Nakwa corporation which is up out of Asheville. this is a 10 amp hour 12 volt battery it will run my fish finder almost two full days. Two short days, it'll run off of one charge. And you see next to my hand, it's not a big unit. Now, the, the other thing you need is some way, ideally, to carry some live bait. You can do this on artificials and dead bait, but live bait is going to be a little more attractive to the fish. And so... You, you want something to carry it in. Now, Hobie makes a couple of live wells that fit their boats. Uh, I've seen live wells made out of coolers. Uh, I've seen them made out of trash cans. Whatever works for you. Heck, you can go back as simple if you don't overload it and use one of the old yellow and white Floetrol minibuckets. 
but ideally carrying a few live baits out with you is going to give you the opportunity there to fish and you need some some rod holders um it's going to take using your kayak a little while to see where they go but i'm going to give a plug too stealth rod holders is a family-owned company down in georgia and they make a rod holder that attaches and looks like this what i like about this is your rod locks down into it and that rod is locked at this point you're not going to pull it out but all you have to do is raise it and it comes right out why is that important because i like to be fishing one bait that's doing its own thing with that rod in a holder and then another in my hand so that I can be jigging or casting an artificial or popping a cork or whatever. It gives me the way to fish it. So find a way to see what's going on around you. That's the fish finder. Carry some live bait with the bait well. Have rod holders that, that you can use. Now you're not going to use a gaff, and these fish are probably going to be too big for a net. So some grippers will work for you there to control him long enough to get the hook out. Um, carry a paddle, even if you're in a foot powered kayak, uh, there'll be some times that you want to use it, but don't take anything you don't need in the ocean because there is a possibility that you turn upside down and whatever isn't tethered or floats won't be coming back in with you. Um, that is a great rundown, man. I, I follow the, of the list. I follow the logic behind the list. Um, on a, just a simpler fish level, like what kind of rods are you putting on the boat when you're targeting the big reds? I use some star rods and they make some spinning rods that are live bait style rods. They have several series, but going back to the, sometimes you might get upside down and drop something, um, in their aerial series, they're not the most expensive rods in the line. They have a pretty good action. You lose one, you're not going to be crying. That's seven-foot live bait action. And then for my cork rod, I, I go a little lighter because I'm going to be casting that a lot. And I go to a 10 to 20 uh, rated. It's a medium action. I use a Star Stellar Light. On the, on the live bait rods, I use a 7,510 filled with a 65 pound braid um, and on the little uh, I use a 4600 bait runner and uh, I use 30 pound braid on that uh, you don't have to be extremely heavy I use the 65 on the stuff that I use bait with just to be able to get that fish to the boat and release it as quick as possible I mean I'm gonna uh... I like that answer and I'm going to move us towards launching because I think launching from the beach, even a South facing beach, you know, we want some guidance. We don't want to send people out there trying it without any insider guidance. But, uh, before I do that, I just want to back up and say, man, how do you know, you know, again, Oak Island, which just has that great red drum bite. How do you know when it's time to start putting the kayak in the ocean and going looking for the big reds? When the mullets start running down the beach and the water starts cooling, they're going to show up here. They're already showing. Um, they're, they're, it's getting better every day. 
we could be in the peak of it at any time. And as long as the water stays 68 degrees or so, some of them will stay here. We have had years that the fishing was still pretty good for these guys up to Thanksgiving and even the first week of December. But when that bait starts coming down the beach and the water starts cooling, you've got food and that cooling water signals them to feed. They show up and start eating. Gotcha, man. So now let's go to launching. So we're, we're, we have our setup and we're shoreline and what are, what are the mistakes that people make? What do they need to know for success? Okay. Well, the first thing I'm going to tell somebody that wants to try this is go down for a day, maybe a morning, maybe an afternoon, take no equipment, your paddle, your PFD and your kayak, and just practice going out and coming back in. You have nothing to lose. If you roll over, make some mistakes, understand how the waves are going to push you around and that's going to happen. Now, what you ideally want to do is heading out. I walk out to, oh, knee deeper, a little deeper water, holding my kayak beside me. I'm giving a, a loose timing. I mean, I'm not sitting there looking at my watch counting seconds, but a loose timing for how often the sets come. Because uh, even on our south-facing beach, we do have sets that might be two feet instead of one feet, one foot. Um, so you time those, realize what you've got for time, wait a set out when the last set wave breaks and rolls under your feet, jump in the kayak and head straight out. Your first thing, your first concern is to get past the impact zone. Now, many days you can do that without encountering a breaking wave. Uh, if the waves are big and you have any concerns, don't go. But eventually, as you do this, you will be headed out and a surprise wave or something will come in. You want to either get over that wave before it breaks or you want to let it break and dissipate a little energy before you punch through it. So time your pedaling or paddling so that you're not reaching it just as it breaks, but either before or after. Once you get past the impact zone, you're home free going out. Now, coming back in is probably more challenging. Um, you're going to, if you come straight to the beach facing it, you're going to have your back turned to the waves. But once again, come up just outside that impact zone, get a feel for how well spaced the sets are, let a set go through and go in. Now, some of the folks that I fish with like to get up to there and turn around and they actually back in so that they can be facing the waves. And that does allow them to see if a, if a bigger wave sneaks in on them or whatever, they can stop trying to go backwards and get a little momentum and, and face it straight on. Uh, and some of the guys even jump off their kayak and hold on to the bow handle and float it in until they can stand up and walk and then take it in. The idea is to get in and out without going over. And my suggestion for when you have your equipment with it 
with you is to lay it all down and strap it down to the kayak as you're going in and out. That way, if something happens and you do roll, you don't break your rods and stuff. All right. So we're going to hope that that puts us successfully outside the impact zone, outside the brake line. I know from talking with you pre-show, um, a conversation about bait, about whether or not you're catching, you know, say live bait for the day prior to launching, or if you're catching your live bait after launching and wasn't surprised to hear that it's both. So let's, let's hear your insights on how to put a few of those live baits on your kayak for a day of big red drum fishing. Okay. Well, always we look before we launch, if those mullets, which are part of what brings the red drum in, if they're running down the beach, many times they'll be close enough that you can go to knee deep water or a little deeper and throw like a four foot cast net far enough to catch them. Um, and I say four instead of a six because most people can throw it further. I have a four that I actually had to add rope to it uh, to because I could throw it further than the rope was on it. But if you can catch them before you go out, wonderful. If they're further out, you may have to launch and get past the impact zone and then turn around and catch them. And that four-foot cast net, you should be able to learn to throw sitting down on your kayak uh, without having to stand up. Some of the young bucks may want to throw a six and stand up and do it. Um, you know, I don't mind getting wet, but I like to keep my dignity. So I'm going to sit down and throw the four-footer. And the other thing is to use what we call a snag rig. And my snag rig, um, I just tie like 15 to 20 feet of heavy mono on the end of the line coming off a reel. At the very end of it, I'll make a loop and attach a jig. Um, I use a, a Clark Spoon jig, but... Uh, you just want a metal jig there that's got some weight and a treble hook at the end. It's acting as both your sinker and a lure. Then at foot intervals coming up that, I make a little loop six inches or so off the main line and put a treble hook on each one. And if you can't find bait shallow enough that you can catch it with the cast net, you can ease up to a school, cast this over into them, and then jerk it rapidly, and you'll snag some baits with the bear trebles, and if there's a bluefish or a Spanish mackerel around, he may well hit your jig too. Now, Spanish mackerels can go in the fish bag and go for dinner, but bluefish and pogies and that stuff and mullets all make excellent baits. And what is the uh... – I know you listed several ways you carry live bait. What is your preference for carrying live bait on your kayak? I have a live well that is made for my kayak. Um, and, and it's a, it's full width side to side. It's got a split level in it uh, for minnows and shrimp and whatever fishing inside. I can set it at six gallons when I go in the ocean and want to carry a little more or a little bit bigger bait, it'll go up to 11 gallons. And it's a live well that's made by Hobie for their kayaks. Um, 
it uses a 500 gallon per hour uh, pump, but in that 11, 11 gallon live well, you don't want that pump blowing them out. Um, so the engineers realize that the pumps are DC power, so they just cut the voltage. And instead of running that with a 12 volt battery, you run it with a six volt battery. It runs at half flow. It's got plenty of water to exchange the water in an 11 gallon bait well, but there's not enough pressure to beat up your bait. It's a really good system. And what's your favorite live bait for the big reds off Oak Island? It will be, it's an either or finger mullet or pogies or menhaden, whatever you like to call them. They do like both of them. And so I think we're, I think we're now headed out to try to locate not bait, but now to locate fish. What do you got? Where, what are we doing out there in that big wide open ocean? Well, as soon as you're past the impact zone, you need to start looking. Uh, if, if mullet are running down the beach real tight, or if you can see a school of pogies out, a lot of times you'll run into a school of pogies closer in than the end of the fishing piers. If those schools are moving hard, there may be something chasing them. So I'll always stop and fish around the bait for a few minutes. But you look for birds up and down the beach. Um, you, uh, you know, sometimes you see the bait flipping. Um, look for muds. Uh, even in 15, 17 feet of water, if there's a school of bait down there with some big reds chasing them, it's going to be, they're going to be kicking up mud and, and you'll see that muddy spot up on the surface and you can fish that. And then there are the known areas. Um, there are some old blockade runner and other wrecks scattered up and down the beach here. There is a place down off of Castle Beach uh, where the water, the cooling water from the nuclear plant comes out. It's nicknamed the hot hole. The water there year-round is a couple of degrees warmer than the ocean water. And we have several artificial reefs fairly close to the beach, but the one that gets the most uh, attention from kayak fishermen is Yopon Reef, which is only about a mile and a half off the beach. Um, and Oak Island has a lot of public beach access areas and you can go to one that's straight in from it if you want to go off that far. I really start looking sooner. Um, oh, and there's some areas um, west of Oak Island Pier and east of Ocean Crest Pier. There's uh, some, some areas in there that have a little bit of mud bottom. And sometimes the Menhaden get on those and the Big Reds follow them into them. But I often stop before I get to 25 feet of water. Um, now, I have some friends who think they're going to up on reef after big reds every time they launch. And a lot of them do. And that is a huge reef. And there are almost always some on it. But I can find some, typically can find some inshore and not have quite as much effort expended getting to and from, I can use that fighting fish. So I understand Yopon Reef to be a big, expansive area, too. Any idea, like, 
how big, like how much zone there is out there to target? Yeah, actually, I am one of the members of the Long Bay Artificial Reef Association that, that works on the reefs down here. And Yopon Reef is dedicated for a mile. When there used to be a buoy there, that buoy was supposedly in the middle. It was close. So a half mile in any direction from that buoy was potential for structure. And Yopon Reef is the most extensively covered bottom because of the way that the, the materials are deployed. During the winter, there may be a barge down here that they load up over at the state ports and bring out with materials. And it might be scheduled to go to one of the other reefs or further offshore. But if the wind's blowing hard and whatever, and they can't get to that deeper reef, they need to clear the barge. So that material goes on Yopon Reef. So there is material for most of that mile at Yopon Reef. And then I have a, a follow-up question about the hot hole with that water upwelling. Does that upwelling cause any problems for kayaks or is it, you know, easily defined and you just make sure you're on the edge of it and not in it? Um, good question. Don't go right up in it. It's actually sort of bubbly, if you will, where it first comes to the surface. Stay right away, from, stay a little ways away from that. Now, it will often turn into a tide line 100 yards away, and the fish may be on the inside of that. There are four eight-foot pipes that run from the beach out to it. And so there's a little hump on the bottom there if you'll pay attention on your fish finder. Um, so fishing inshore of it is, is not a bad thing at all. But no, don't go right up and get in that bubbly upwelling. All right. I think that it concludes my follow-up questions on sort of locating fish in popular locations off of Oak Island. So now take us to actually hooking a fish and bringing a fish to the kayak. Okay. Well, well let's start with live baits. We talked about catching them. Uh, you can fish a live bait on, a, on the bottom or suspended from the top. Now, I use a rig on the bottom, and you can put a piece of cut bait on this too. I think we can see it real easy. It's sort of a modified Owen Lupton rig. The big difference here is it uses a flat sinker. So if there's any current in the ocean, it's not rolling like the egg sinker. But it has a circle hook on the end, and we use a number seven at the smallest. Seven, I mean, seven alt, seven alt, eight alt, nine alt, so that you hook that fish in the jaw. Uh, a mullet hooked through the mouth on the bottom, a pogey hooked side to side through the nose on the bottom. If you're going to fish those up, I use a rig that is, this is a Cajun Thunder Magnum float. It's on a little shaft, so it will rattle and make some noise, and you can splash it. I drop down about 30 inches below it to a circle hook. And if you're going to fish a live bait on this, you can hook it under the dorsal fin so that it uh, swims fairly natural. Uh, and with this, 
I will pop it occasionally. Now, some folks like to get out there, they throw that cork out and they're popping it and they're like, pop, pop, pop. In my opinion, that's too fast. I'm going to pop it and then relax and let that circle that that pop makes get out to be six feet or eight feet. That's going to take 10, 12, 15 seconds. Then I'll pop it again. I'm thinking that I want to bring that bait. When you pop it, you jerk the bait up, and you want the bait to settle and then sort of swim back and get natural looking. I don't want to pop it too fast. Um, now, we can also fish artificials on that. One of the things that I use underneath on that sometimes is an eight inch curl tail grub. Now I've got this one rigged on a bucktail on a butterbean bucktail and I will fish it as an artificial bait, throw it over as soon as it hits the bottom, jerk it and try to jerk it more up than back to you. Make it pop up off the bottom and get seen instead of just coming back to you. Uh, and in any of these, if you're popping that cork, you don't want to pull the cork to you. You want to make a lot of splash and whatever with it, but you don't want to really pull it to you. You want to activate it in that area so that when something hears that noise and turns to investigate it, there's your bait. And you can fish this under that. And the metal jigs, like I fish on the bottom of the... Uh, of the bait uh, snagging rig, every now and then you'll be trying to snag some bait and you get a big surprise. The, the pullback is not a bait that's been snagged in the side. The pullback is the drum that you were hoping to use the bait for. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of ways to present baits to them. Um, and, and these fish, by the time they get here, they're in a feeding mood. Uh, they're pretty receptive to, to anything. Live baits, of course, they do their own thing and they attract just because they're live baits. You put the hook in them, they're a little crippled. They give that distress feeling, whatever. They're easy prey. The artificials you're trying to make look like them. Um, and don't be afraid on your artificials to add some scent. Um, I use Procure Menhaden and Mullet scent, but seal the deal. Make it smell good too. So I got a couple of follow-up questions. So in hearing you talking about like bouncing it more straight up and down than bringing it back to you. So the game here isn't covering water. It's being in what you hope to be the right spot and the fish are there or the fish are moving through? I mean, are these fish always on the move? So I'm not worried about covering water. I'm waiting for them to move into the water where I'm trying to get their attention. Well, yeah, uh, a, a little of all of that. They're going to be following the bait. Once you locate that bait, um, if there are some big red drum in the area, they're going to zero in on that bait. Now, there may be four or five pods around. They may go to one of the others and come back. 
but concentrate on getting that bait noticed. You will also cover ground with it. Uh, current's going to push it around. You're going to drift with whatever breeze there is in your kayak. So you're going to cover some ground. You don't need to worry about that with your retrieve. Use your retrieve to get it noticed because these are fish that are looking for something easy to catch and good to eat. All right. I follow that. What about, uh, is there any conditions or anything that you notice that gives you more confidence that something on top, like a cork is going to be more successful or you see something that gives you more confidence that a bait on the bottom is more likely to get struck on a given day? Um, the easiest thing to say is that if you can get one of those mornings that is flat, slick, calm, I mean, the ocean looks like a sheet of ice. Stuff on the surface is going to get noticed more. Uh, the sound of that float clicking, its splash is going to travel through the water better. Um, you know, you're not going to be out there at 15 knots, but as the wind picks up and there's a little bit of chop and whatever, there's some inherent noise there. And that's when I tend to, to concentrate, if you will, on being a little deeper. All right. So let's take the conversation in this direction. Now I've listened to your podcast a couple of times. I'm out there and it has worked. I have hooked a big red or what I suspect to be a big red run. I'm feeling some head movements. It's not feeling sharky. What do, what do I do now? Walk me to walk me through what to expect getting the kayak. I mean, getting it a big fish of that size beside my kayak and then how I release it safely. Okay. Well, the, the thing you, you need to remember, you need a little bit of patience because for the first few minutes, it's got you, you don't have it. Um, big reds are not going to make a long straight run. That is extremely rare. They'll go 50 yards, maybe 75, and then they start circling. I call them the tilt-a-whirl fish. They'll go out and they'll turn like to the right, and they may circle you fully one time, two times, going to the right, and then they'll change their mind and start circling to the left and spin you the other way. In the kayak, at that point, I just flip my rudder up so it's out of the way. On the Hobie, when you spread your feet apart, it lifts the flippers up right under the hull. They're, they're flat under it. So you don't have stuff hanging down to get hung on. And I just let them spin me till they start tiring, put as much pressure as I figure that line and hook can stand. I'm wanting to get it to the boat as quickly as possible, but you gotta have that little bit of fun from that first run and the spinning. Now, when you get it up to the boat, you're probably going to need to use some grippers, something like so. Let me get them down here where, where they're seen. Um, to get a hold of its jaw so you can get the hook out. The nice thing about using the circle hooks is they 80 plus percent of the time, 90 plus percent of the time, are hooked in the lower jaw back in the corner of the mouth. Uh, if you can hold that fish, you can back it out. 
Uh, if you hadn't caught any, you're probably going to want to leave the barb up so you don't lose any. After you catch a few, you'll start like we do, and we mash the barb down too so the hook comes out easier. It's a circle hook. You're going to have it in the bend of that hook anyway. Um, if you don't want a picture, don't take that fish out of the water. Lean over and use your pliers or your hook remover or whatever and take that hook out with it in the water. Um, if you're going to pull it up for the picture, um, then use your grippers on the jaw, but don't just drag it in over the side. Reach down, get your other hand wet. If you've got on a, a sun shirt, tech shirt with some sleeves, get them wet and get under it and cradle the belly and pick that fish up into your boat rather than sliding it in. Uh, they have a slime coating that protects them from different uh, infections, if you will. We don't want to remove that. I have seen some reds from time to time that had a fuzzy red coat on them in places. And when I asked the biologist, they said that's where their slime had been raked off. Uh, and then get the hook out and get your pictures as quickly as possible. Support that fish as you take it back over. In a kayak, and especially a pedal-type kayak, you're in the ideal situation to release that fish great. Don't swish it back and forth in the water. Um, they don't have reverse. When you're pulling them backwards in the water, any water that you just pushed into the lungs, they can't even expel. With your gripper still on its lip, hold its head underwater and begin paddling or pedaling forward. Uh, and not fast momentum, but just run some water in that fish's face and you'll feel it kick. Now, I don't release it on the first kick. The second kick, third kick, depending on how long I fought that fish, I just pop the grippers open, and you'll watch it just swim right on off, just healthy as can be. It's not going straight down, dead tired or injured. It's swimming off at an angle. And that fish you may catch again, or somebody else may catch again in a day or two. Man, uh, I think that brings us to the end of this big red drum off of Oak Island conversation. But before we wrap it up, you know, I got a question for you. But before I get to that, anything, anything else to add to this conversation that I didn't set you up with a question or something you thought, man, I wish I had mentioned that when we were talking about it? Yeah, the one thing that I realized that I have not said yet is you're going in the ocean in a kayak. Even on a dead, slick, calm day, you're still in the ocean. Things can happen. You could get bumped into something. Uh, a fish could accidentally bump into you. A porpoise, a whale, they come in that close. We're not even going to talk about Mr. Jaws. People are, are a little panicky about them anyway. Um, but you get knocked out or whatever. Do this with a buddy and carry both your cell phone. You may be going to use it to take pictures anyway. If it's not waterproof, put it in a case where it is. 
and carry a VHF radio so that if something happens, you drop your paddle, the wind's blowing you offshore, your anchor's not holding, whatever, you can call the Coast Guard on the VHF radio or 911 uh, on your phone. And Oak Island does have an excellent water rescue team. Um, we do a kayak tournament here every year, and they come down and have their boat on the beach ready to go should there be an accident. But be safe. You want to be able to do this the second time. So go with the buddy, take your signaling, and always wear your PFD. Don't think, oh, I can grab it. It's close, whatever. Put it on. It can't save you unless you're wearing it. Um, that's a good addition. I'm glad I set you up with that question. And now the final, final question is, Southport Oak Island has become a hot zone for kayak fishing. And so they're certainly enjoying more than just fall big reds off the beach. Give me the quick rundown of some of the other kayaking highlights of Southport Oak Island throughout the year. Well, unfortunately, we had a very short flounder season this year, but we have a lot of nice flounder scattered through the backwaters here. Um, it's been an excellent speckled trout bite all summer, and now that the water's cooling, it's going to get even better. We have slot size red drum in the backwaters. We have black drum. Occasionally, you'll run into a bed of ladyfish, which they don't have much food value, but they sure are fun to catch. A bunch of people say, I caught a, a little miniature tarpon. Well, no, you didn't. It was a ladyfish, but it sure was fun, wasn't it? We have a few triple tails. The town here supports kayak fishing. Uh, the town of Oak Island has two dedicated kayak launches now. One is on Upper Dutchman Creek over near the wildlife ramp off of Fish Factory Road. Uh, one is near the rec center at 31st Street Southeast, I believe it is. Um, there is a community ramp for boats and kayaks at Northeast 55th. And uh, a community ramp that needs a little repair for boats, but is still a great place to launch a kayak at 57th Place West. So... And, and then all the, the beach parking, there's a lot of dedicated public access, and you can roll your kayak across to the ocean at any of those. Some of them even have uh, the handicap mats, which makes it even easier. Jerry, I want to thank you so much, man. I can't remember a time I haven't enjoyed talking to you, and this certainly fits that pattern. I mean, this was a fun podcast. You made my job easy. You made my job fun, man. I enjoyed it. Well, thank you, Gary. We need to go fishing again. It's been a while since we went fishing. Yeah, man. You know, with, with Striper Fest taking a back seat, we, we didn't need to find a new reason. I thought we had it in our shared friend, Stu Calder, but we might have to circumvent him and just go direct. Well, we, we may have to uh, beg, bar or steal a boat, or uh, I've got two kayaks. Done. I, despite what Billy thinks, man, I am a kayak fan. I'm coming your way. But for now, Jerry, thank you. We're going to have you back on. I can't imagine we don't. And I appreciate your time.
Hey, thank you, Gary. Thank you, Billy. I have enjoyed it. Good to talk to you. All right. Billy, I heard you chuckling when I was talking about kayak fishing. Yeah, you like kayak fishing. You like people talking about it, <laughs> other people doing it. I don't see Gary out there kayak fishing. Though. I mean, I just can't, for the life of me, even imagine it. More or less, it become a reality. So, shocking? I would be shocked. I would look, I would need I'm, pictures. Otherwise, it didn't happen. I'm trying to decide whether or not to be offended right now. Hold on a second. I'm trying to figure that out. Um, well, no, I'm not offended. You're really going to be offended by my takeaway then. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm, I am more interested in this takeaway than I've been in one in a while. That's oh, a great maybe, setup. Maybe I set that up too much uh, for a big letdown. Um, but, man, as Jerry was talking about getting this fish on your kayak and then releasing them in a healthy manner, I was sitting there thinking, like, man, these big redfish are probably as old as Gary, and they probably do. Like, if I was to drag Gary up onto a kayak, I'd probably have to be a little easy with him. He would lose some of his, you know, whatever, yes. like. Body parts my slime coating. You would your, your you coating. would disrupt my slime coating <laughs> that I grew over years and years and years. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I was comparing you in my mind to a redfish. Uh, All right, de definitely was not imagining you pulling one of these giant redfish out of the water onto a kayak. Though <laughs> no way. I mean, maybe if you and Jerry, I'm going to show you. Yeah. Okay, I would love for you to show me. I would love for because I think what would happen is you and Jerry go kayak fishing. You hook up on one, you get it close, and you're like, "Hey, Jerry, can you come over here and do the rest of it for me? I'm just gonna eat a snack." You know, kind of that. <laughs> That's what I, I imagine this going I am, like. Uh, I am an accomplished angler, and <laughs> being dissed by a Tennessee boy. I fish two times a year, Gary. Don't kill me out just yet. <laughs> I can well, cast my own rod, though. I know that. I did. That is one of my favorite Billy's best takeaway. I appreciate it. And I'm going to give you the floor. Wrap this episode up, man. You're rolling. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Gary, it's always fun, dude. Love hanging out, even virtually in this moment that we're in. Love being on the show. Uh, so really appreciate Jerry, really appreciate our sponsors, Marine Warehouse Center, R.A. Hitch, Academy Sports, who sponsored the show. Go support our sponsors and uh, and also support Gary and I. And Gary needs a coffee. He's getting, like I said, he's getting old, right? So he needs some of that. Yeah. He needs some of that uh, juice to help him out. So go to Fisherman's or buymeacoffee.com slash Fisherman's Post. Buy Gary a coffee, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Gary, thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Fisherman's Post.